The world is becoming more unglued by the day. We're seeing sky-high prices in gas, higher food prices, shortages, and even more. But I'm telling you that the food shortages will be the worst part of the nightmare we're about to enter. How should you respond? Go to preparewiththinkaboutit.com and secure long-term emergency food from my Patriot Supply. Global supply chains are breaking down even now. So today is the day to act. My Patriot Supply is the largest preparedness company in America. I don't care if you use my link to get your savings on this quality survival food or somewhere else. Just get some now. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food lasts up to 25 years in storage when you need it. And that could be very soon. It will be there. Act now. Save $150 and get free shipping on their vital three-month emergency food kits. These kits provide breakfast, lunches, dinner, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Every family should have at least a three-month supply of food per person. Go to preparewiththinkaboutit.com and save $150 and get free shipping on your three-month food kits. That's preparewiththinkaboutit.com. Preparewiththinkaboutit.com. The first casualty of war is the truth. And if the American people knew the truth about U.S. interference in Ukraine, they might not be so eager to start World War III. During World War II, Western Ukraine sided with the Nazis. After the war, the CIA helped Ukrainian Nazis evade the Nuremberg trials and began operating with them within the Ukraine. After decades of CIA infiltration, the Ukrainian People's Movement emerged in 1989 and gave birth to extremist groups Svoboda, Trident, and Right Sector. Neo-Nazi groups pushing for the ethnic cleansing of Ukraine. Extremist groups cultivated by the CIA, supported by the U.S. State Department, and used by the IMF to bring Ukraine to heel. When Yinyakovic beat NATO-backed Yushchenko in the 2010 elections, his government was being pressured into signing an EU association agreement by the International Monetary Fund in their typical conquer-by-debt offer that would financially ruin the Ukraine and place them at the mercy of the World Bank. Yinyakovic declined their offer. And in today's corrupt world, you're not allowed to say no to the IMF. Funded by Western NGOs associated with George Soros and the CIA, a highly organized color revolution was immediately deployed against Yinyakovic. Organizations such as the National Endowment for Democracy trained activist journalists to utilize Facebook along with three brand new television networks created within weeks to recruit people for the protests. This Western-run media campaign was a huge success. The turnout was massive. The CIA has been orchestrating revolutions their entire career, and the first step to their simple formula is to convince people to take to the streets in peaceful protest. They then use agitators to goad the police into violence and state-run media to ignite the crowd with emotionally charged reports of sacred victims. On November 30th, 2013, the Ukrainian chief of staff, associated closely with the U.S. State Department, ordered the streets to be cleared of protesters for the erection of the annual Christmas tree. When the police arrived, 
They were met by a highly aggressive and well-organized faction of Ukraine's right sector, who provoked the police into a violent reaction against peaceful protesters, which is all the Western intelligence media reported on. Predictably, this resulted in more unrest and violence, which was further fueled by U.S. Senator John McCain's support of the protests. Leaked phone calls reveal that the U.S. State Department was orchestrating this coup d'etat from within the U.S. Embassy with support from Vice President Joe Biden. On February 20th, unidentified snipers firing from government buildings occupied by the protesters began firing into the crowd, killing people on all sides. Yinyakovic's home and offices were taken by armed mobs and a new government was put into place with a neo-Nazi element that went on to accept the IMF's spurious loan offer and began murdering the Russian-speaking population of Ukraine in Donbass. As a result of this Western-created quagmire, 96% of the people in Crimea voted in favor of joining Russia. And while the nation celebrated, Western media reported that they were invaded by Russia. Their proof? a Russian military presence which has existed there since 1804. Supporting a criminal war against Russia does not make you a patriot. It makes you a useful idiot of the globalist banking cartel, the very same entities waging war on all of humanity with vaccine passports and experimental jabs. A righteous patriot would call out his government for war crimes and through fraud and deceit, the United States government has been the world's biggest purveyor of war crimes for decades, all in the name of spreading McDonald's, genetically modified foods, and sexual perversions worldwide. For years now, Russia has made verifiable claims that the U.S. is running secret biological weapons labs around their borders. And while Western media now claims this to be misinformation, Back in 2013, they reported on it. While the United States and Murder Incorporated have been waging illegal wars all across the world in the name of democracy, Russia has been quietly selling energy and minding their own business. And according to National Geographic, this was the reason why the Pentagon was building these bioweapons labs in the first place, because Russia was entirely quiet on the subject and the US wanted to get ahead of them. The initial biolab in Kazakhstan was built by the U.S. for $100 million to store high-risk diseases such as plague and anthrax, and was hoping to attract scientists who might otherwise create biological weapons of mass destruction for someone else in order to keep the world safe. The U.S. has since built several labs in Kazakhstan most recently, a biosafety level four lab to be completed in early 2022. As early as 2004, the Pentagon's Defense Threat Reduction Agency, DTRA, began creating a network of biolabs for infectious diseases in Uzbekistan. And within a few years after operations began, outbreaks of unknown diseases were reported in the same areas as the labs. In Georgia, leaked documents show that the U.S. Embassy has been transporting deadly pathogens and human blood as diplomatic cargo in a scheme where private U.S. contractors working for three different U.S. biolabs have been given diplomatic immunity to do so. 
shortly after Russia invaded Ukraine, At War Clandestine released a video with maps of U.S. biolabs matching up with maps of the recent attack, suggesting that Russia was securing these top-secret biolabs. Western media claims this is false, but fails to debunk it. And once the video goes viral, the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine is caught deleting evidence of these labs from their website. But not before an independent journalist was able to copy documents showing 11 Ukrainian biolabs funded by the Pentagon. The Russian embassy to Bosnia has accused the U.S. of filling Ukraine with biolabs, which were very possibly used to study methods for destroying the Russian people at the genetic level. And we now know that these so-called mRNA vaccines are destroying people at the genetic level. We now officially know that COVID-19 is a man-made bioweapon. We know that it was funded by elements of the NIH and Peter Daszak's EcoHealth Alliance. We know that it was made in Wuhan, China. And so what isn't threatening about the U.S. encircling Russia with top-secret biolabs? And who on earth thinks it's a coincidence that everyone involved in the United Nations Great Reset are now the Ukraine's greatest allies of all time? The mercenaries and war profiteers in America are getting excited about making short-term profits off the dead. But the only ones who will benefit from this war are the crooks at the top who have been caught committing the most heinous crime against humanity in all of recorded history. And the only righteous way out of this is to hold these crooks accountable. As a young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, half of this government, are actually young noble leaders of the world. So if we penetrate the cabinets, the change is not just happening. The change can be shaped by us. The change can be shaped by us. We have to prepare for a more angry world. How to prepare to take the necessary action to create a fairer world. I see the need for a great reset. So people assume we are just going back to the good old world which we had and everything will be normal again. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. There is only one way this pandemic is going to go. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. Pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack, which would bring to a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack. What is your highest level contact with the U.S. government in this period? Я постоянно имел контакт с Вадимом Байденом. Вадим Байден говорил одно, а в Украине делали другое. The horrible truth cannot be denied. The Biden administration is directly responsible for the war in Ukraine, gas prices, food shortages, and inflation. Questions of credibility are being raised after a private chat between two top U.S. diplomats 
was leaked online. I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. I, I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatsenyuk. It's just not going to work. Yeah, no, I think, that's, you know? I think that's right. Okay. Good. Well, do you want us to try to set up a call with him? Here's the next step. Sullivan's come back to me, uh, VFR, saying you need Biden, and I said probably tomorrow for an attaboy and to get the deets to stick. So okay. Biden's willing. So you had this remarkable phone call where you have these two senior officials of the U.S. government apparently talking about a coup or how they were planning to restructure the government of Ukraine. We're on track right now. I'm on track to be the first president in history to lower the deficit by over $1 trillion in one year. So I'm sick of this stuff. We have to talk about it because the American people think the reason for inflation is government spending more money. Simply not true. Inflation is not created by COVID. It's not created by Putin. It's not created by greedy corporations gouging right. their customers. There's one source of inflation. The actual definition of inflation is an expansion of the money supply. And it's the Federal Reserve that's been expanding the money supply. They've called it quantitative easing, but they keep creating dollars. And it's the U.S. government that spends those dollars into circulation. And as it does that, the value of each dollar goes down. And so the price of everything that you buy with dollars goes up. And they're saying 7.9%, which is the worst inflation since 1982. What they don't tell you is that we had a different CPI in 1982. And if we use the same CPI today that we used then, we would be over 15% inflation, which means 2021 or 2022 right now, this is the worst inflation in our lifetimes. We're experiencing higher inflation now than anything during the 1970s. And this decade is just getting started. Inflation's got only one way to go, and that's up. Tax, that's, a, a, that's really Putin's gas hike. That's his gas hike. This, so much of this uh, increase in the gas tax, uh, gas uh, price started. Uh, uh, Biden's economic wrecking ball was recently aided by the decimation of small businesses overwhelmed by the tycoons of the pandemic economy. Who got the money from the Paytech Protection Program? You know, this is our $800 billion. That's kind of a lot, okay, that we gave out. Mm -hmm. Only about a quarter of the money spent by the program paid wages that would have otherwise been lost. So three quarters of it didn't do, of $800 billion, and then 72% of the relief money ended up in the hands of people with incomes, household incomes, in the top 20%. All that money ended up the people who are in the top 20%? Driving a final stake into the heart of the middle class economy, as 7 in 10 Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, while over half of Americans don't have three months in emergency savings. As food producers continue to minimize their products, airlines are scaling back on flights, truckers add more fuel surcharges, Bidenflation destroys the recovery following the pandemic as the war on fossil fuels continues to ripple through an engineered depression with the endgame ushering in the Great Reset, where you will own nothing and be happy. The radical left is fighting to abolish American energy 
destroy the oil and gas industries and wipe out your jobs. Would ban oil and gas leasing on all federal land. If these far left politicians ever get into power, they will demolish not only your industry, but the entire U.S. economy. Would he close down the oil industry? Would you close down the oil industry? By the way, I would transition from the oil industry, yes. Oh, I would transition. The oil industry pollutes significantly. I see. Here's the deal, because it has to be replaced by renewable energy over time, over time. And I'd stop giving to the oil industry, I'd stop giving them federal subsidies. We have that's one maybe final the biggest question. statement in terms of business, because basically what he's saying is he is Mr. going President. to destroy the oil industry. It's going to go up. Can't do much right now. Russia's President Biden saying don't blame him for the record high cost of gas, which is now 425 a gallon. I can't afford to go to the grocery store anymore. I can't afford food anymore. Usually after work on a Friday, I go down to Chili's and get a cold beer, maybe a two for 20. But now with gas prices being the way they are, I can't even afford that. It's crazy. I have two cars, so it's killing me. Fuel prices have hit an all-time high, and on the 1st of April, the cap on what the energy providers can charge their customers will be lifted. I've already got a text telling me that the cost of warming my family will more than double in just two weeks. The whole situation in Eastern Europe, despite curing the Rona, feels distinctly connected to it. The West has been battered and bruised by restrictions over the last two years. Many have been pushed into poverty. Many businesses have gone under. A large chunk of those businesses that have survived have cut staff numbers or cut hours, drop bonuses, etc. And now, while the people are on their knees but desperately trying to build a foundation so they can rise again, this happens and life becomes even more unaffordable. To offer the solution, you need to create the problem. Now, the solution is the reset. But for people to accept the reset, you must first destroy their lives, what they consider to be their normal. In their desperation to survive, they'll be willing to try anything and you just happen to have the answer. Buckminster Fuller said, you never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. Well, I don't think Klaus agrees, Buck. He's got the people to destroy their existing reality themselves. In this case, for many people, there's always been a tough decision to make. Do I heat myself or do I feed myself? Doing both isn't an option. Well, if the demons get their way, at least that choice doesn't need to be made anymore because you won't be able to afford to do either. So every cloud. Now we're just seeing the beginning of the results. This isn't the end. Uh, we're going to see much bigger increases in consumer prices uh, in 2022 than we saw in 2021. And we're going to see probably even bigger increases in 2023. I mean, this is the tip of an iceberg. Well, prices are going up. I've been saying this for years. We've been under investing. And, you know, the politicians have been trying to push us into this green direction uh, prematurely. I mean, you have to let the free market dictate uh, the, the, the type of energy that you're going to use. And if you're trying to force uh, uneconomical forms of energy on the public, there are going to be ramifications. Now, certainly in the long run, you know, hu humanity is not going to exist on fossil fuels forever, right? At some point, we won't use them at all. Uh, but I don't know when that point is. But I know that we're nowhere near it now. I know that the science and the technology hasn't advanced to the point 
uh, that we can that we can move away from it. But you know, I mean, we, at one point, I mean, all of our fuel was coming from from whales, right? How would we get oil? We went up, we were harpooning whales, right? So, and, but but we got oil, oil and natural gas. We didn't have to do that anymore. So that was a big positive, I think. Most people don't want to go back to the days of whaling. Uh, to to try to you know to to get to get light, uh, but at some point you know there's going to be uh, more stuff in solar and, and and wind or who knows what they're going to do, uh, but right now oil and gas, coal, those type of fuels are still the most economical ways of generating the power that we need. And to the extent that we haven't been developing it as much as other countries, uh, that is a problem, you know, and, and, and the governments have created these barriers. Uh, and that the result of that is a lower standard of living. You know, if we're going to go for the Green New Deal or anything like that, uh, the public has to know that there's a huge cost associated with with that. You can't just you know, they try to market it as if it's going to be great news. We're going to have this green new deal and everybody's going to be better off. No, everybody's going to be worse off. That's the trade-off. You want to go green, uh, you know, you're going to go poor because you're not going to have the standard of living that you have when when, when we're not, not green. But, you know, the, the real problem is not going to be these prices going up as far as inflation is concerned. I mean, the big increase we're seeing in food and energy prices this is going to cause a recession. This doesn't cause inflation because as food prices go up, as energy prices go up, consumers have to spend more of their incomes on those necessities. They don't they don't stop eating. Uh, you know, they still need uh, to heat their homes, uh, electrify their homes. They need to drive. So money is going to be spent, you know, at the supermarket, but that money can't be spent someplace else. And it's the reduction in other spending that ends up causing recession, then of course the Federal Reserve responds to that by printing more money and that's where the inflation comes from. Not from the isolated increase in certain prices, but from the fact that the Federal Reserve will end up compensating for that. In fact, in many cases what happens is oil prices go up, food prices go up, and the Federal Reserve thinks, oh we need to print more money so people can afford to pay those higher prices. And so, but now that drives the prices even higher because we don't need more money, we need more food. We need more energy, but the Federal Reserve doesn't create any of that. It just prints money. 